Hello and welcome to Soul Searching. My name is Landon Gonsalves and Soul Searching is my show about our mental health, life, love, and ways that we can be better people. Today I'm talking to my longtime friend Alam Khan and right at the start I just want to tell you that this conversation was amazing. Alam and I don't always see eye to eye, but I have always valued his opinions on some of life's most interesting topics. As a father, husband, retail manager, and caregiver for his entire family, Alam battles with the everyday life struggles while also trying to find the balance to create music, which is his artistic outlet. Again, this was a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Oh, one final note. As a working father, Alam did his absolute best to secure a quiet location for our conversation, but there are times where you can hear his little ones playing in the background. It's a part of our natural life, and it didn't interrupt the flow of our conversation. Okay, Alam Khan, Soul Searching, up now. Mr. Alam, MC King Kong, the wonderful. How the hell are you today? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. Um, you know, Soul Searching is, uh, is, is, is a really great place to sit down and have an in-depth conversation with some of my favorite people. So I just appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely, brother. You know, one thing you know, I enjoy, I enjoy intellectual discussion and then you're one of my favorite people as well, brother. So I always enjoy, you know, spending time with you. So absolutely. I love it, man. I won't waste your time. Let's jump right into this. Um, so you and I have known each other for probably what eight or nine years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's been you know it's been quite a bit part time. It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. About a decade, almost a decade. We'll call it. We'll call it a decade, close to that. And you know, we've 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 grown up together. We work together, and you know, we're we're a lot alike. Uh, we we stay busy. We do our absolute best to make sure that we're always doing something. And you, you know, you're juggling being married. You got kids. Um, you are a musical act. You're a, a rapper, a producer. Um, you run your own studio. You do a lot on top of just normal everyday life. And then, of course, we got this pandemic going on right now. Um, so I just kind of wanted to lead off with that. How are you handling all of that? And how do you how do you balance like family and work and your music and just your own personal time? I really think you hit the nail on the head with the with the word balance. Um, it's kind of like a juggling act, and, and to be quite honest, like I'm not really doing a very good job of it at the moment. Um, you know, right now with you know my full time job, you know, with the additional work assignments that I've had, and you know, on top of uh, you know having a family, kids, and all that, and then you know I'm the only one that actually uh, like works in my family, so like. When you talk about mm. things like inflation and stuff like that, that's really felt uh, throughout my, you know, I got like six dependents, like my mom, three kids, my wife. But um, so, you know, at, at the moment, it's kind of hard uh, as far as an actual production element of the music. You know, it's been on pause for quite a bit. I'm um, like, I try to do things whenever I can. Uh, but most of it resorts to really me just continuing to write lyrics and thinking out like, ideas for 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 the future um and uh, and then it's just capitalizing on the things that i have like already made uh and you know just trying to do the best with those things um as far as the pandemic actually you know to be quite honest and i think that's the uh, it, it, it it's actually relevant throughout the whole producer slash artist communities like when the pandemic first hit like when we had the whole quarantine for like one or two months you know depending on where you mm -hmm. worked I, I think that was actually like an outburst of uh, creative thinking and, 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 and creative processes from just, you know, that like a, a lot of like those at home producers and at home recording artists, like people that just do stuff on their own. Uh, they, a lot of them were able to make a little bit more noise or just just focus more on that craft uh, because you had just had a lot of that. Like take, take me like I built a whole like little studio a little just during that time on top of the whole crypto thing but um <laughs> but I, I i i always like refer you you know in order to be creative man you gotta have a lot of free time and like yeah. I, I was listening to uh, i tweeted about it not too long ago but like i was listening to neil degrasse neil degrasse tyson podcast on the joe mm -hmm. with joe rogan and he was just talking about it and he's just like listen it's like one of the things you need to come to grips with is like if you want to be creative, you're going to have to be OK with the fact that you're not going to get some things done. Mm. And that's a struggle for me. And like I'm, I'm a little bit like OCD and then 
on top of the things like, you know, like a lot of artists think like, you know, I bleed for this. This is all I do. You know, this is like, you mm-hmm. know, it's my but like it is something what I want to do. But like I'm not willing to prioritize my family over it, you know. So, ah, OK, uh, because my kids are only going to be this age and this little only one time there. You know, it's not going to happen for me again. Uh, and eventually, you know, they're going to move out. They're going to do their own thing. So, like, I only have this time to make an impact in their life. I'm not willing to, like, as much as I want to and as much as I feel I think I could be whatever it is that I could be, in music or artist-wise or whatever, and as much sacrifice as I know that it takes, I am not willing to make that trade-off. It's more, of, you know, it's more of a balancing act, I think. Like, too much of any, too much of anything is bad. I can respect that, man. Um, I, I've seen you grow... Um, as an individual, as a musician, as a father, as a husband. Um, and, I, you know, I'll be the first person to tell you, you're one of the best dads I think I've ever seen in my whole life. You're so dedicated um, to your children. You're so dedicated to your wife. And even, you know, making sure that your mom's is cool, um, having her stay with you guys whenever she needs to, and just being able to keep a roof over her head and do whatever, you know, you have to do for your family. It's it's That's important. Um, but like you were saying, it's that juggling act. It's that balance um, you know, being able to to make sure that your family is good, but also making sure that you, uh, as an individual, is good. Um, but you brought up the you brought up the the pandemic, um, and around you know right at the start of the pandemic, everybody went inside, everybody was locked down, and a lot of those creatives had a lot of free time that you know we didn't really have before. Um, you know, to be able to do a lot of the things that we do, and I can't speak for you, but I, I'll ask you about it in a second. But for me, um, I ended up having like creative overload. I had so much time and I was doing so much that I eventually burned my own self out. And I started to stress about, oh, well, you know, you you have this time and you're not going to be in lockdown forever. You're not going to be work from home forever or work from home forever. So, you know, utilize this time that you have now. And I was pushing myself and I was pushing myself with different projects and different creative outlets. And I wasn't actually giving my chance, giving me a chance to just stop and breathe and allow myself to, to rest for a moment. Um, you know, my 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 boss, I mentioned this on, on a previous on a previous episode, but my boss told me, you know, a burnt out designer is is no good for no good for him. So I have to take vacation. I'm not one who likes to take vacation. You know that. Um, but if I don't step away, if I don't allow myself to remove you know, myself from the creative outlet that I have, whether it's for work as a designer or whether it's my own you know personal hobbies for video or, or photo or the podcast. Um, you know, I'm going to burn myself out. And I, I wonder if, if you ran into a little bit of that yourself, you know, kind of thinking about the start of the pandemic in the last two years. Not necessarily uh, with the pandemic. With the pandemic, I felt a little bit more free. Like during the pandemic, I was able to record like my EP. I've communicated with you throughout my process as I was recording things and I was working with different producers and I was working with some producers over in Russia and everything. And, you know, and we both talked about how much money I was paying for the process. But, you know, but we both thought like as long as I was learning throughout it. Um, you know, it, it was definitely worth it. So I, I, I don't, uh, I didn't necessarily stress myself out during that time. I did want to maximize it. You're absolutely right. Um, so I, I did learn a lot. Now, as far as the creative process, I do, I do feel like you, like me personally, like I, I can't push myself into it. I can, I, I know, you know, throughout the years I've been able to learn and identify what, what kind of environment, what kind of setting I need to be to be creative. And I try to put myself into that in my environment. However, if it doesn't happen, like if it doesn't more or less happen naturally, I know it's not good. The same way whenever I record songs and I do multiple takes and if I start getting angry while I'm doing takes, I just got to stop because... Yeah, <laughs> uh, because like because I'm just getting angry with myself and I'm second guessing myself and all those other things, and and it's kind of a, and it's kind of the same the same way with the creative process, uh, or 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 even if on uh, on the engineering side, like if you're doing the mixing and mastering, if you're sitting there and mixing and mastering a song for like an hour or two, you got to take a break because you're gonna get sound fatigue, you're gonna get start getting annoyed with it, like you're gonna start nitpicking nitpicking every single single thing. So uh, at a certain point, you just gotta like just 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 take a um, a, a step back, um, and sometimes that means not being creative, right? So like uh, you know, going off of what your boss told you, you know, like you know, if you if you if you're tired and if you're exhausted, not no you know, good creativity is gonna come from that, and that's when and I I circle all that back to balance. 
uh, you know, you gotta you gotta find, establish, and identify whatever that balance is for you. Whenever you feel like you're just pushing yourself just for the sake of pushing it, just because you know the time is finite, or you take a step back and you identify, look, okay, well, look, we're we're reaching a point of diminishing returns at this moment. So maybe mm. you know, maybe maybe pushing it this hard is not what I need. Maybe I need a reset. Maybe I need a new perspective. Maybe I need to do something different. Like for for me, it's always like I, I always try to I always try to get different perspectives on things. Uh, uh, it it, it kind of sucks. Like the kind of artist that I am, I'm very good at um, replicating things that I hear. Like if I hear something I mm-hmm. like, like I can replicate the hell out of it. I can put my own spin on it, and like I can make it dope. And you know, and, and and they do say, you know, um, what is it? Uh, uh, what did they say? Copying is like the biggest form of flattery, or something along those lines. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so like that's the way I look at it. But like if I hear something I really like, it's like, damn, I want to have something that sounds like that. So I, I, you know, I'll go, I'll go and do that. But it's like as far as like being original, like being being super creative, I just, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a talent. Or maybe, although I was pretty like creative back when I was in high school and didn't have a job and stuff like that, so maybe it's just like a lack of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but re- regardless, like uh, for, for me, the goal is always like I, every week, every day, I try to at least like dedicate at least a little bit of time to, you know, whatever it is that I want to my music career to be. You know, just 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 to kind of stay in touch with it, because I feel like the main emphasis of what you were saying was having a finite amount of time to do something that you want. Yeah. Yep. I, and to be quite honest, and I, I think that's probably like one of the things we'll touch on next as far as like what the uh, the view on mental health is, you know, going around currently. But I feel like it, it's kind of part of a bigger issue as far as like the kind of uh, consumerism culture that we're in. Because like a lot of things are made to where they're expedited so we don't have to a lot of... You know, we don't have to spend a lot of time doing things that we used to do. Why is that the case? It's to make us more productive, right? So, uh, yeah. I feel like the idea is uh, like just just to, just the kind of culture is like of always wanting more and of always thinking that you could always achieve more. Kind of interferes with our ability to re- relax, reset, and be creative. And um, in if just if I could just take another minute on this, like it's always. Uh, a reactionary thing like if you even if you like if you study history like i was a big fan of history growing up like college high school and there are movements right so there was the um there was the dark ages then the reaction against the dark ages was the renaissance right where there was uh this this, this spike in, in in technological and scientific advancement all right and that lasted for about like a hundred years and after that there was a reactionary movement romanticism what was romanticism? Romanticism spurned everything scientific, and they wanted just to see the beautiful and everything, and everything. You know, it was like uh, uh, novels, like Frankenstein. Frankenstein was a romanticist novel, and it was uh, it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, the actual plot, but it was a description of the land, of the monster's feelings, and all those other things. So it focused a lot on the human side of it, right outside of the scientific. It was a completely opposite. Then. Right after romanticism, what do we have? We have uh, industrial revolution. The industrial revolution automates automates all the processes. It's complete opposite of Renaissance, and because Renaissance means you were good at everything, you're a Renaissance man. Uh, mm-hmm. But industrial revolu- revolution had us classified to different. Like you're good at this, you do this. That's more profitable for the whole if everybody is just doing the things that they're good at. That was classification, and we never. And then since industrial revolution really happened, we really haven't left that. We kind of stayed in it, uh, just just trying to maximize productivity in everything, and we stayed in it in the arts and and and, and poetry and just just. That side of it has a little bit declined. I'm not saying it's like super important, but there needs to be balance in these things. Like if everybody's just focused on making money, nobody's really focused about the philosophy of why we're here, what do we need to do, you know, the feeling of people, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, sitting in the 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 evolution of the industrial revolution, we'll call it. Um, I have no idea what we are in right now. Um, but I, I agree with you that when we hit the industrial revolution, we kind of took off from there and we never really moved on 
from that. Um, but the one thing that I have noticed, and I don't, I don't know if this is on a larger scale globally, I have no idea. Um, but just around, you know, me, my town, my family, my friends, my city, the people around me, um, I've noticed, and you know, this podcast is a great example of that, that there is an increase in the, the ability to pay attention um, to your internal self, your own mental health. And I, I bring that up in relation to the Industrial Revolution um, because, you know, for a long time, folks dedicated themselves to their work. Their work was their identity. And I'm starting to see a shift, um, especially now, you know, that people are, are resigning and they're, 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 they're asking for more of their value. They're saying, hey, this particular job that you told me for two years was essential. I'm living in poverty, even though this job is essential and I'm worth more than that. And people are starting to to, to rise up and say, hey, I can do better. We can do better. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what you think, what you think about that, that shift in focus from being like, hey, you know, I understand that I have a job and I understand that this is what I have to do. But at the end of the day, I need to go home and I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you've done a good job. You've taken care of yourself. You are getting what you're worth. And, you know, paying attention to, to your own mental health. Um, I can I can say for me, for me, it's been a really long journey um, to get to where I am right now. I'm someone who absolutely dedicated himself um, to his job. My job did become my identity for a while. And um, I, I wouldn't call it a negative. Um, it is just what happened. You know, I'm I'm definitely my father's son. My father worked until they pushed him out the door, damn near. Um, he just he just didn't know anything other than just getting up and going to work every single day and doing the absolute best job that you could. Um, and I, I watched him growing up, and I just learned that that's that's just what we do. We get up, we go to work every day. I don't like taking vacation. I don't like calling out sick. Um, but you can only do that. You can only do that for so long before you realize that you you are starting to fall apart because you physically can't handle the pressure that you're putting on yourself. Um, and you know, it's it's it took a lot in my life. You know, going through my divorce and changing different jobs and you know moving cities and and all of that stuff to realize that if I don't focus on me, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be here a year from now to be able to talk to people. I'm not going to be able to to start a family and have children and raise you know children that um that I'm proud of and that are positive members of society. But um, you know, I'm interested in, in in what you think about that shift and, you know, how our generation specifically are focusing on their mental health and putting themselves before anybody else now. Okay, so just a little bit of background on me. You know, I grew up in Russia. I moved here, you know, like in, back in 2004. So I have a little bit of a more of a unique perspective on things. Um, one thing I'll tell you is one of the greatest things about, you know, living in the United States and living in a society like this is that uh, things like, uh, like you, you get you get paid rather well compared to the rest of the world. Um, you know, your standard of living is rather high, and because the standard of living is rather high, you don't have to work as much as you would in like in a third world country. Like in Russia, you know, the standard work shifts like twelve hours and then plus like an hour or two of travel time between them. So you don't necessarily have a lot of time to contemplate other things. Uh, here, you have a little bit more free time, or you know, if you if you kind of like follow certain models of societal behavior how they want you to do or you know if you you know because you know you go to school graduate do this do that get a career you know uh so you you you, you eventually you know you will develop some supposedly you will develop some kind of uh you know financial security and freedom to where you can dedicate some of your other time to other things and consider part of things like mental health and uh you know uh or the the movement, the movement that we currently have in this country with the LGB, LGBTQ community as well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I just feel, I just feel like just like an average person in a third world country that has to work like twelve to fifteen hours a day, you know, sixty hours a week, or whatever, just does not have the time and energy to dedicate it to these types of social causes. They're just trying to fight for the basic fair rights that we have here and enjoy, right? Yep. Uh, it is a privilege uh, to live in a society and in a community and in a place where you earn enough money, you you are stable enough. And you do have enough free time to ponder these things because when you start pondering these things, you start kind of questioning because like me and you, right? Certain things were just like, we just thought that was the way it was done. You work really hard all your life. You reap the benefits later, right? You know, you do this, X amount happens. This is how you view this. This is how you view that, you know, the traditional views, right? So, mm -hmm. um, we are privileged to be able to question those traditional views and to move on from them if we, as, if we as a society agree that we should 
right? Because perspectives and uh, perspectives in the way we view things has always ha have always like you know transitioned with society, right? Like right now, like ninety percent of the people think we should legalize marijuana. Like back in the fifties, it was thought to be the fucking devil's drug. The way societal interests and perspectives progress is how we progress. Now, that's one side of the coin. I feel like yes, we most definitely like we should take advantage of this privileged opportunity to reconsider some of some or all of the things that we had growing up because granted quite a lot of them feel or seem or are atrocious right uh but then you view the flip side of the coin right and uh wh what is happening right now like right now we're experiencing um un unprecedented like inflation we're experiencing unprecedented wage stagnation we're experiencing uh unprecedented uh, public involvement in social affairs because of how connected we are. All of that stuff is new. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched the, like, the social dilemma and stuff like that, but, like, a lot of it right now is boiling down to, like, creating value through studying human behavior through all these social media apps and then you know, basically selling that data to advertising companies who are trying to maximize that value off of your behavior. Mm -hmm. And all that shit is unregulated. And I always like, look, we can't, we cannot advertise tobacco onto television. We can't do that no mm -hmm. more. We can't advertise really alcohol on the television or if we do, it's got to be after a certain, after a certain time, it's going to come with certain disclaimers. Uh, we cannot advertise or show like adult like or pornography or stuff like until a certain time there's a disclaimer there's all this other stuff right mm -hmm. but these algorithms that are being used by social media companies they are not being regulated by any they they are they are catered to the universal human behavior they don't distinguish between a child or an adult but because a child psyche or really man, I, I mean i'm really starting to notice adult psyche but child psyche in particular is very malleable and those algorithms end up shaping what their standards for happy is what their yeah. standard for successful is what their standard for beautiful is like there's statistics right like where before instagram came around this uh, like the suicide rate in teenage girls between the age of 13 and 16 like fucking skyrocketed unprecedentedly because mm -hmm. that's all that you get sucked into this loop of that's uh, and, and like, and here's the thing, it's kind of like subject to, I guess, free market and whatever the business does, but like all this focus on mental health issues, I feel like it is misplaced because I feel like talking about them, unless like we're talking about them right now, but just talking about them over in general and how we just need to respect people and all that, like, yes, that's important. However, just having a general discourse about it is not enough to pinpoint the issue of the problem like the reason people aren't happy is because we have all these things catered to them that we are trying to convince them that that's what happy is and if you're not meeting that standard then you should be unhappy and there's nobody regulating this so what happens is if that's all we're doing is we're just just talking about mental health in general and how we shouldn't have a negative connotation when we're talking about it that's pure basics what we need to be talking about is how these, what is essentially is happening is like we're perpetrating, yes, that more people seek treatment, right? But we're not attacking the cause. All we're doing is, at this point, if you really want to like boil it down, I mean, I, I don't want to be as crude about it, but you're just, just feeding more people to the medical industry because you're not addressing the cause. All you're doing is just like you're, everything daily that you encounter in your life is tell is just feeding you information and, and feeding you this one side of the story and just and, and you just happen to f lock into that you know whatever particular community you are understanding what it is and it's feeding you that and then when you're not achieving that you just go to you know the doctor to talk about it but and granted you know that's probably not all of the root of the cause of your unhappiness right mm -hmm. but it is a large part because you know, anything you're constantly influenced or are exposed to in your life 
is going to have a large effect on how you behave. Yes. So, so at, at that point, it becomes redundant. We're just like creating more patience, but we're not treating the problem. Mm. I think that it, it, it puts a, it, it shines a spotlight on our own insecurities. And I, I love that you brought that up. Um, I've been, I've been thinking about my relationship with specifically social media. I got on a soapbox last week, uh, or last episode, uh, around social media, but I feel very strongly about it for two reasons. <clears throat> One, I, I used to be anti-social media. I used to be, it's stupid. It's the devil. It shouldn't exist, but I, I'm not like that anymore. And it, I'm not like that for a very specific reason, because I, I see, I see it as a tool now, um, instead of, you know, some I, I was listening to a different podcast and they said, you know, Facebook is is the face of the internet for some people in different parts of the world. Like they know Absolutely. nothing else other than Facebook. Um and I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the usefulness of Facebook for e-commerce, for staying connected, for letting people know that you're safe during a national or uh, a natural disaster, all of that stuff. Um but where where I where I try to figure out the balance, and again, we come back to that balance, like you said, it's those algorithms. You know, the algorithms are designed to keep you in the app because it's all ad-based. Um, and their job is to keep you, you know, keep hitting those endorphins and to keep giving you that 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 tiny high every single time you get a like or every single time you get a retweet or every time you get a comment or anytime somebody shares something, you get that little endorphin, that little endorphin, that little endorphin. And it 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 pushes that narrative of you have to be this specific way, you have to do this specific thing in order to be quote unquote liked or in order to be quote unquote popular. Um, and that, like you said, that is very dangerous because it's not regulated. Um, and I'm, I'm not someone who's, anymore at least, I'm not someone who says you shouldn't use social media. Um, but I, I do believe that you should use social media responsibly and understand what it's designed for how it can manipulate you and how you can use it to your own advantage. Um, I've I've completely pulled away from specifically Facebook. I don't I don't even touch Facebook anymore. Um, I very rarely even think about Instagram unless it's something for this particular show. Um, but circling back to this particular show, if you don't have a social media presence as a business, then do you even exist? And it's about walking that fine line that I'm I'm still learning and I'm 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 still trying to understand it from a personal perspective, from a business perspective. Um, you know, where is that balance of being able to utilize the social media platforms that we have, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. Oh Lord, don't get me started on TikTok. That's so addicting. Um, but being able to use these platforms, you know, to to be able to reach more people is is kind of where I'm deciding to go. And it's not, I don't, I don't want to keep people in the app to keep giving them those likes, to keep hitting those fake endorphins because we're not addressing the issue. Um, but to circle back to you know how you started, if we're just if we're just talking about mental health without trying to figure out the underlying issue of what's causing frustration and sadness and depression and anxiety, then no, we're never going to fix it. We're never going to address it because all we're doing is getting, like you said, getting people into the medical industry now, and that's just a never-ending cycle of going back and forth. Um, I, I'm, I'm not intelligent enough to be able to, to come up with an answer there, but it's, it's an interesting concept, and it's an interesting conversation that I think um, would it would be beneficial to be able to kind of break that down just a little bit more uh you know on a further episode or, or with with additional people um but it's it's just just it's just so interesting to think about you know these social media platforms and the damage they can do but also the good that they can do um one last thing before i jump off this topic my father my father lives with me uh my father moved into my house i i, I moved him into my house um about four four months ago now and he's 87 years old, as I mentioned before. He's never had a smartphone until he moved in with me. I needed to know, hey, when he goes shopping, when he goes to, to play golf, when he goes fishing, I just want to make sure that I can keep track of him because he's in a state that he's never been in before. He's from Massachusetts. I live in Texas, and now he's here. Um, so I gave him a smartphone just so I could you know, keep track of his location. Randomly, earlier this week, he, out of the blue, legitimately randomly, he says, hey, I want to make a Facebook account. My dad's 87. I didn't even know he knew what Facebook was. Huh. And it's just it just blew my mind. And I asked him why. And he said he just he wants to, you know, he wants to find some people that he he no longer talks to and just to to be able to, to reach out and you know to see if these people are, are still alive, if they still exist. So I helped him make a Facebook. And within a half hour of creating his Facebook account, 
He was talking to my older brother, whom he hasn't seen since my older brother was five months old. He found him on Facebook, reached out to his daughter. His daughter was like, oh, my God, you're my grandfather. I'm going to tell my dad, my brother, who's my son's older son, I mean, my father's older son, called him. And they were on the phone talking within a half hour of making his Facebook account. He found a son that he knew he had, that he has been estranged from for 80 years for uh, Mark. How old is Mark? He's older than me. So 40 years, we'll call it. And it was it was it was beautiful. And I thought it was amazing to be able to say, wow, you know, th- this 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 only happened because Facebook is a thing. And you know what? And that that is absolutely beautiful. And but I'll tell you this, that's not the goal of Facebook. Mm. It is not. Because that's a one off moment. Their their job, yes, their job is to bring you that joy of reconnecting. And that's great. That's a great, great byproduct. But I, I, and maybe that was the original intent as well. However, that is no longer the goal of social media. Nope. It wants to make you feel good. It wants to yeah. make you happy so you come back and so you continue interacting so they can keep learning things about your behavior, about mm-hmm. what, what it is that you do, collect that information. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and 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 sell it, and the, because that's, that's how they make money. The regulation of it, if it ever does happen, it's also you know is going is going to be questionable because then who who the hell is it regulating? Then we're just like dedicating a panel of people saying it's okay to say this, it's okay to not say that. So you know, in, in that point, you do argue, you, you you can agree with people that either everything's okay or nothing's okay, right? Yep. Um, but then you know you bring the argument, well, like you can't just like yell fire in a movie theater, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a social media space is just like a public forum space, just like you are in a public movie theater. You can't just go around saying crazy shit. It happens, but it's unfortunate. Right, but like the reason that people do it is because they feel empowered because they are behind a computer and a keyboard yep. instead of behind them. So, so, by the way, like if this whole metaverse integration ever happens to where we're like, uh, have you ever seen like Ready Player One? Yeah. All right, so like, if it ever gets to that point, we're all we're we're just like all living in the fucking trailer house, but we're interacting in a super crazy advanced like video game type universe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll go down because you can still get your ass kicked in the metaverse. <laughs> 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 you know, so so maybe that'll tell me like you lose some tokens or something like that. So maybe that'll be a way to handle like hold trolls accountable and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, like when when I watched the documentary on the social dilemma and stuff like that, one of the ways they said. To get rid of the whole ad algorithm sponsored content problem was to make social media paid because mm-hmm. if, if you make it a paid membership, then that's what brings the revenue in, right? That mm-hmm. and then and then Facebook is forced to come up with other features that make you want to continue to pay that revenue versus them catering totally to advertisers and just shaping the content and the algorithms or whatever it is towards uh, just just data farming you know that's that's the thing if if the service is free then you are the customer Uh that's it free exactly if this if the service is free then all of the data that you're giving them from using the platform makes them money so that makes you uh, every time i log on to to twitter i'm i'm the customer you know I'm, i'm interacting with twitter i'm posting i'm sharing i'm liking and all that stuff and they're learning about what i like what i don't like and all that stuff and they can sell that to advertisers and then eventually i'll see an ad for a pair of sneakers that i'll buy on amazon right. and it's just that's and just it's how not, it, it yeah and it's not only that it like it, it like triangulates the data with the people that you interact with like mm-hmm. so so like you could have never like you could have never said anything about that pair of pants around your phone but you talk to your friend who had his phone around them yeah they'll talk so, but, which, which, by the way, uh, I'm real. I don't know if you've seen the beta yet, but like, I'm really kind of happy with those uh, uh, with this Apple um, Relay beta. Oh yeah, yep. I'm very cool with Apple doing all these things with just tampering. That I don't know if they're doing it just so they can sell the data themselves. <laughs> no, like, a- Apple's Apple's not in the advertising business. Apple knows that if if they lock your privacy down then that makes you feel like you can trust Apple. And then in turn, you turn around and buy just keep more, buying more stuff from them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and granted that relay option is only available if you pay for stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm down with it. Yeah, man. 
uh, <laughs> I love I love that we ended up you know going down that social media rabbit hole because I can talk I can talk about social media every day. But it but it is the biggest thing that affects our mental health. Like outside, it of, is because like, our interactions are more and more over iMessage, over Messenger, over TikTok, over WhatsApp, Twitter, whatever. Like we. I, I guarantee you that we probably spend more time communicating with people over social media and messaging on our phone than we do regularly in real life. I would I would ask this last question before we 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 pivot to uh, our last topic for the day. Not not for you, but for anyone listening. Take into account all of the time that you use your phone, from every single time you wake the screen to every single time you turn the screen off. Remove all social media activity. How often do you pick up your phone? Interesting. Outside of me just, you know, habitually checking on social media for topics that I find interesting, it, the only other time would be when I just want to Google something that I, I want to know. That's, yep. that, that's pretty much it. Or, or if I need to call somebody, obviously. I would say the predominant use of our smartphones, at least nowadays, at least in for our generation, and not generalizing, but just for our generation, um, I think predominantly that that time is spent on social media, and that 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 really does bring me to to the last topic. When when you put your phone down, and you know you turn off your computer, you turn off the TV or whatever. How do you recharge your own emotional batteries? Uh, for me, I am I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm a grown thirty four, almost thirty five year old man, and I love taking baths. Man, lighting a candle, chilling in the bathtub, just some music playing, no phone, no iPad, no nothing. Just a way to just chillax and just let my let my mental, my my brain just catch up with the day or the week or the month or whatever. Um, And I, I would love to be the kind of person that like, you know, goes for a hike and goes out into Colorado and takes beautiful pictures of these wonderful mountains, but that's just, I'm a city boy. I grew up in Boston, so I'm not used to the mountains. But man, give me a good old bath. That's that's one of the ways that I recharge my batteries. How do you recharge your batteries? Look, man, all them fancy ways of recharging your batteries, like you mentioned, that's not like you know, going hiking or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I, I don't know who them people are, where they work, <laughs> how much money they're making, but that's not real life, or at least not for me. Um, when all of them want to recharge, all of them want to recharge debt free. Um, so I love baths. I take, I've been taking, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've enjoyed taking baths. Apparently when I was like a couple months old, I was singing in the bathtub. And that's why when my parents thought, well, like I had an artistic thing, we know, whatever they say, whatever, all that. I don't think I ever truly unplug. Mm. I, there are just times when. I am able to recognize where the things that I worry about are not the time and place for them, so I'm able to displace them in my mind, but they're never truly absent. Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah, it it makes it makes perfect sense. You know, you're you're like we talked about at the you know the the start of the the episode. You know, you're a husband, you're a father, you're you're an artist, um, you're a caretaker to your mother. You got a job. You you have a lot on your plate. I imagine that it's. It's hard to be able to find that time to just not not have to focus on anyone. Yeah, like stuff never goes on pause across all the um, the battlefronts. If that's what yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Like if it's not one thing, it's the other. I'm not gonna lie, man. I I kind of had a fucked up childhood. Um, had different stepmoms, stepdads. Didn't necessarily have a a perfect view of what um, a child's life should be. However. I did have it in my head growing up. And I don't know, man, when, when I got home and I see my little, my, like my little ones just run up, rush up to me and hug me, and, or, you know, they want to play like hide and seek or they just want to mess around. Like that's one of the ways I unplug. Yeah. Um, just, just spending, just, just spending time with them and, you know, just kind of have that like mental camera of capturing those moments because, mm-hmm. Well, we don't live for things, bro. We live for memories that we create. Um, like things lose their value, things lose their usefulness. Um, but my kids are never gonna be my kids again. You know, they're gonna be grown ass adults. They're gonna continue their lives. They're gonna start their own lives. Those are the things that are important to me. It's important to me that my kids remember me as a present father 
they remember me as active and participant in their life then my wife views me as a uh, as a participating and a loving and caring husband and that um you know we you know and one of the things i want to you know like the first question that you asked like how do we balance all the things you know like work mm -hmm. music and all mm -hmm. that stuff and I, i meant to bring it up earlier too but like having my wife and just as a support system uh it's, it's very important like the partner that you choose in your life yeah because it's it, and and out whoever the hell is listening if it's like five people 50 people 500 people listening it's like don't ever think that love is just that emotional spark feeling of you know you feeling infatuated with a person and you thinking that's going to last for your whole life it's not at all what love is love is pain love is sacrifice love is love love is communication love is understanding love is all-encompassing love is sacrificing love is understanding the division of responsibilities like i work my wife stays at home take care of the kids take care of the house she cooks and cleans and stuff like that but love is also understanding that when i come home and i see that my wife is fucking exhausted the kids are running around yelling everything love is understanding that i need to take a step and step in and even though i just came back from work i need to help out my wife same thing on the other side love is when i come back from a shittiest day at work and everything needs to get done stuff and my wife steps in she's like i'll do it don't worry about it here's your dinner here's you know just go to rest and stuff like that that's love and it's and it's perpetuating it's not that total infatuation for the other person that is not it and if it is it is on a higher understanding of what their value is it is not just that feeling of butterflies in your stomach everybody please understand it because it can ruin your fucking life mm-hmm <laughs> tell hey hey tell me about it come on it's me <laughs> no bro and we, we kind of i mean i, I don't want to say we went through because i wasn't married right like back in my previous relationship but mm -hmm. it did help me understand a whole lot of things and it did help me understand that it's not just even though it imprints in your mind because it's so emotional whatever your first love is or whatever that is even that it that's not that doesn't mean that it's good for you or that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best thing like trust me like love is kind of calculated yeah it, <laughs> like, it definitely is yeah it, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing but but no. you know you know and, and as we were talking about like we have all this stress on mental awareness and how we're talking about how men you know it needs to be more um, mainstream that it's okay for men to have mental health issues and and for women uh, you know, to be more independent and more, uh, you know, in control of whatever it is they want to be in control of, like, you know, feminism and all these other empowering movements, right? But I'd be interested to know, like, five, ten years down the line, how do they affect statistics like the divorce rate? How do they affect statistics like, you know, happiness, family income? So, like, are all these changes in perception of mental health and all these perceptions of social rights and stuff like that are they having a positive impact on us finding partners or are mm -hmm. we still a, are we still going to be at the 50 percent divorce rate because if we're still at the 50 percent divorce rate none of this shit really matters <laughs> it doesn't because if we're not improving our social like our our, our, our the, the the thing because what, what is the primary goal of society to, to reproduce to continue right to instill our ideas and values in our offspring to make sure that they continue to have a more beneficial impact on the world right but like if we're not doing that if we're just getting together and then we're like no fuck that he's he doesn't like what i like and i don't like what he's like and you know yeah, we're not gonna even try to work it out we're just gonna go try to find then all that shit doesn't matter because what is the benefit then the benefit becomes selfish we just want the society to be okay with us being selfish mm. the, you know the, one of the what one of the sorry i didn't mean to cut you off bro uh one one of the, the the biggest reasons why i wanted to start this podcast i saw a statistic and i saw it in like six or seven different places before i was like dang this is this is actually real um i i personally i don't i don't know i just i figured it would be even or maybe slightly lopsided one way or the other but um, it's not, and it's uh, the statistic is two thirds, two thirds of all suicide in the world are men. Men kill themselves; they they end their lives more often um, than. You think it's because there's more men in the world than women? No, because it's a it's a it's it's you know it's per capita. It's like you know for every oh, one thousand, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. 
So no, I don't think it's it's the balance of how many. I think it's just I think it comes down to um, <sighs> that I, I do want I traditional wanna, stigma I wanna, of responsibility and family right, yes. taking care of and like it like regardless of what you think your wife is empowered to do, you feel like it's your job to take care. Right, and I I, I do want to walk that line. I, I, I want to walk that line finally, um, but I, I do think that that may have something to do with it. Is you know the 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 outside pressure of men not being able to communicate what they're struggling with and for it to be for it to be taboo for a man to say yo i'm stressing or i can't do this compared to a woman and that's not to say that's not to say that it's easy for a woman to do that um, but just speaking from myself and looking at the data it appears to be harder for men to deal with their own mental health and that's causing them to take their own life. And I think that's, if, if I could, if I could put a flag in the ground and say, why am I doing this podcast? It's, it's that it's just to let everyone, not, not just men, but to let everyone know, like, regardless of what you're going through, one, you're not alone. Um, two, you'll always have a, a safe space here. Um, whether it's on the show or just me personally. Um, but, Anything that I can do to help, you know, bring awareness to to that for both men and women is 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 I feel like a part of my calling. So I want to be real on this topic. First of all, I feel like any type of um, podcast or um, self help book that you may read or anything like that, um, it is very generalized. It is it is out there for you to understand the possibilities and understand that people are talking about you know these things. However, you do have to be in a certain mental state to even be prepared to talk about these things, right? Mm-hmm. And I've communicated this to you before during my darker moments, is that whenever you are down-down, whenever you feel like the world is against you, whenever you feel like it's just the worst of it all, for me personally, and I, and I don't know if other people can do relate to this or not, but... Over my experience of sharing my struggles with other people, outside of that moment of me sharing those feelings with those people, they're not going to give a fuck after that. They won't. You know, we, we, we've talked about this before. Um, and I don't, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Um, but what I would say is opening yourself up to others and... You coming to me and saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Me coming to you and saying, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. I'll, I'll even bring it further back. When I, right after my divorce, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, you would text me and I wouldn't respond for two weeks. You called me and I wouldn't, I just, I didn't want to talk about it. I just didn't. I didn't want to talk about what I was feeling. I didn't talk, want to talk about what I was going through. But you, if I'm being straight up, you broke me down. You were like, bro, you can't, you can't keep that in. You, you just can't. Um, you know, you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. You got to right. talk about but, it. But but is that a self-realization that you came to after internalizing all those things? Because you were internalizing those things because you were thinking, why does anybody else give a fuck? Well, like, I, I, I bring I bring it up. And to, to, to touch on your point, I bring it up because it's it's not that I thought, oh, Alam's not going to care. You know, I, I can. Alam's got his own problems. He's he's dealing with his own stuff. You know, it, it wasn't that. Opening, finally opening up to, to you and my sister and my other friends and all that stuff, what it allowed me to do, at least, and hopefully for you and for them, is it allowed us as a friendship, as a relationship to know that we, we can do this for each other. And even if I can't, even if I can't take that burden off of you and fix your problem, the least I can do is to hear you out and just to let you verbalize whatever the hell you're going through. And there, there was times in my life in which I, I did not want to do that. And I, I didn't want to do that because I felt like, who am I to add my stress to someone else? They're going through their own, you know, they're, they're going through their own shit. Why would I add anything to that? And everybody, everybody is going through something. Everybody, everybody has their peaks and valleys. But what talking about it does is it allows that relationship with whomever you're speaking to back and forth to know that we can share this stuff with each other. And even if we can't come to a resolution, at least we can just verbalize it and uh, well, allow us to, to think through it. Go ahead. And, 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 and you know, and I think that just maybe, maybe that just come kind of like comes down to the type of person you are, because for me, um, ver verbalizing a, a certain type of, um, 
uh, internal conflict or, or depression or whatever, that's never really been the problem. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't have a problem verbalizing it. My problem is who I'm verbalizing it to. Like, I'm very much a means to an end guy, right? If I say mm -hmm. something, it's for a purpose. If I do something, it's for a purpose. If so, like, I'm very analytical. I'm very critical thinking. I'm a good study of people. I'm a good study of, I, I work in retail for 10 years, so I have a very good understanding of what people's behaviors and, and, and motives and things like that are, right? So mm -hmm. if I choose to share the information with you, outside of me just, like, it, okay, if, if, if all I want is just to talk, cool. It's very rarely that, I'll tell you that. I don't like talking for no reason. Like, we don't have this podcast right now if I didn't think it had, like, a, another purpose to it, right? We, we could just have a phone call. You know, but it is my, however, uh, naive understanding. But, but this might benefit somebody, and and I get to speak my mind as well. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, like, as far as being a means to an end guy, like, if I'm going to share some things with you, like that, um, yeah, if it's communication, I let it be known. It's just like I just want, I just need, I just need somebody to vent to. And I'll, and I and like at the end of my venting, I'll let you know that's all that was. However, like as far as like asking for help, asking for advice, asking for things that will truly like help impact your life, either like I gotta lower my either I gotta lower my expectations or I gotta rise my standards of who the hell I'm asking. Mm. You know, because yeah. if I lower my expectations, then yeah, I can talk to anybody about my shit. And just hear the general responses and then, you know, they move on with their life. I move on with my life and I just think about maybe something that they said was that might be impactful, right? Or I'm very picky and choosy about who I talk and share my, my private details and my particulars with. And maybe, and the best that I can hope for is that maybe for that time that we're having the conversation, they feel invested and what it is that I got going on, and they mm -hmm. might offer uh, actual, applicable, and actionable advice that I can take, or maybe they just say something that blows my mind. But outside of that, my expectations are low, low. Like, bro, I know the world we live in. I know we're constantly struggling. Everybody got, like, this is people that I work with, or I associate with, like, we all got things going on, on the personal side, we all got things going on, on the professional side, we all got things on the, going on, on the family side. So to be able to expect somebody else, even if it's a close friend, even if it's like your brother, like my brother passed away, but like even if it's your brother, like it is ridiculous to expect of them to burden them their their own lives with an additional thing of your life, you know? Because yep. the where the way our life is structured. But like but that doesn't mean you shouldn't speak on it. Like I don't mm -hmm. want that I don't I don't want that to be like Confused, like I don't. That doesn't mean I want every everybody that's struggling just you know just just climb down and don't talk. That doesn't mean that no. Uh, but tempering your expectations and not looking for a knight on a white horse to come in and solve your problems or somebody that comes in and just tells you the right that doesn't happen. Like you don't same the same way you don't just like wake up when you turn twenty one years old and all of a sudden you're responsible to drink. That doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Like those things are conditions and are trained and you need to have an understanding of those things. Like if anybody does say something, if anybody does offer something, yes, you should consider it. You should talk, you should think about it and you should think about how it applies to you. But like, do not jump on the sword because somebody doesn't care or somebody doesn't, or somebody gives you like a general answer. Like you should still speak on it because you never know who you might come across with that gives you that perspective that you've never heard of. And right. that just clicks. I guess what I'm just trying to say is just like, be, be, be open-minded, but don't have high expectations of people. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the last thing, the last thing that I'll add to that um, is I don't, I don't disagree with, with that point that you just said. Um, and you're, you're right. There are, there are few people whom I have, I have a small group of, of people that I trust. I'm, I'm just like that. I'm a very small group of people that I trust. And even within that group, um, there are certain people who I go to for certain things because I know that that's, you know, that's where their strength is. And I can, 
I can I can take their advice and and do something tangible. Um, but outside of that, if I want somebody to tell me, hey, you messing up or you know, how do we get through this thing? And this is what I would do. And this is how I would play it. I pay a therapist for that. <laughs> That's why I pay my counselor. That's why I pay my therapist, you know, to be able to, to be, to be objective. Exactly. You want somebody to be able to snap you out of your own line of thinking. That's not actively involved in your active life. Right. But my, my therapist never says this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. It's always a deeper conversation than that. But we somehow, you know, it's in it. And I, and I want to say it's not, it's not like the movies, you know, I don't, I'm not on the couch with my feet up and, you know, she's not just sitting there with a, a legal pad and well, how do you feel? Like, no, not, not my therapist. Um, I'm, I have a very good, a very, very good relationship with, with my therapist. Um, and I, I, we have, we have come to, an agree, an understanding of, of how I communicate and how we communicate with each other where, you know, allowing she every now and then she has to move mental barriers for me in order for me to see the bigger picture. Um, but it's always she knows that I'm I'm a fixer. She knows that I'm I, I, I'm a means to an end kind of person. So whenever I bring, you know, a situation to her, I am looking to solve this problem. But it's I appreciate that it's never just like, well, all you have to do is this because that's not going to help me. You know, I need to be able to, to figure that out internally. That's why I'm a big proponent of, of counseling, because it's just helped me so much. What, what, what do you mean when you say you're very much of a mental barrier mover person? So if I'm, I'll give you an example. If I'm, I'm dealing with a personal, uh, personal problem at work, and I have no idea how to fix that particular problem, and I'm coming to her, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and we're talking about it, and I'm like, you know, this is, it really stressed me out when my boss did this, and I... I really frustrated and I can feel my knuckles get tight because I'm squeezing my fist and I just don't understand um, what what she will do if I if I don't understand why I'm I'm responding that way is she'll walk me through my thought process you know where do I feel that tension in my body and and the example that I'm thinking of you know I feel it in my on my fist you know it makes me angry um, I feel this lump in the back of my throat and then it's about going deeper than that so we, we talk a lot about you know the surface level um, problem so my I'll use my boss as an example, even though he didn't do anything. My boss is great, but you know, my, my boss did, my boss did this. Okay. Well, that's the service level, but let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's find out the, the value that your, your boss flipped on that's causing you to have such a strong reaction because it's not just saying the thing. People say the thing all the time, but he, he must've you know, invalidated or disrespected some value that you hold true to yourself, and now you're having uh, an unproportional reaction to it. Or like, or maybe he doesn't have that rapport with you that he thought he had. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it's 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 finding it's finding out it's getting past that surface level and just finding for for me at least, and I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, what I've realized is, and I, I hate again, I hate this word, but things that quote unquote trigger me. Um, are almost always related to four or five values that I feel human beings should have. Um, and a person did something that goes against one of those values and it just, it impacts me in, in a way that um, I would not like it to impact me. So being able to understand it and get through that and think through that and, and move forward is, is you know important to me. Let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. This might be important to like a certain contingent of people that, will listen but how open or transparent should you be with your therapist about your like illicit use of recreational drugs or alcohol or whatever the hell it is may be that you use for stress management prior to talking to them and i feel like you know that might be a big reservation because i feel like if you really want to get if you really are trying to get help you probably want to be transparent about those things Yep. You want to be transparent about as much. First of all, you want to be transparent about as much as you feel comfortable with. Um, But what you will find is the more honest you are with your counselor, the better the outcome that you're going to have. And I I wasn't always like that. I would go, you know, my first four or five months going to therapy, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to say this thing because she's going to think I'm an asshole. Or I don't want to say you know, this thing, because it's going to make me look stupid. And now I'm like, yeah, I did this. I did that. You know, and it's, right. it, it, it took time. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's like, like talking building to a, a relationship after a while. Exactly. Yep. It's like building a relationship with a partner or a friend, you know, it's going to take time. And I talked about this on a previous episode. I've, this is my third counselor. Um, and not that I was, that I was jumping counselors, but I, you know, I saw someone four or five times and I'm like, eh, we're really not, you know, we're really not clicking. Um, and it wasn't until 
my third one that I'm like, okay, I can feel the connection here and I can see that we can build on something. But uh, I, I would never say, oh, go find a counselor. And if that doesn't work, then counseling is not for you. Like, no, maybe that particular counselor isn't for you. Um, but that's not to say that there isn't a counselor out there. But yeah, to your to your question, I would say be as absolutely honest as you possibly can be. Marijuana, alcohol, prostitutes, oh Lord, prostitutes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just be honest with it so that way you can work through whatever it is you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not like, you know, I'm still I've still yet to get my ten free sessions going. Yeah, man. Um, but that's that's uh, I think that's a really good place uh, to wrap this com- this conversation. You know, Alam, um, this was an absolutely fantastic conversation, and I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. No, yeah, man, thank thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. I do enjoy going in my little soapbox every now and then, and thank you for indulging me in those. Um, but you know, if, o- overall, uh, I think it's a it's a it's a great idea and a great you know great thing that you're doing, and I'm absolutely very happy to support it. And uh, yeah, man, anytime you want to have me back on, I'll be more than happy to go, and maybe I'll be more famous by then. <laughs> I would absolutely love that, man. Again, uh, thank you so much, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Likewise, buddy. Bye.